We have been talking about visions and the imperative of having a vision for your life. And let me remind you again, the definition of vision is very simple. It is seeing a need and meeting that need. That's what it is. But what I want to do today is to help you understand that whenever you begin to have a vision for your life, whenever you begin to be obedient to God's vision for your life, that you will be facing many obstacles, that you will be experiencing many difficulties, that you will see mounting opposition, that you will encounter hindrances on every stop and every way, that you will meet daily temptation of wanting to give up that vision, daily temptation that threaten to derail you from obeying God's vision for your life. Now, these temptations, sometimes they come from the outside. Many times they come from the inside, from within. Sometimes those temptations will come directly as a result of Satan's attack and assault. Many times they will come from your own flesh. Many times those oppositions or those temptations are going to come to you to quit and give up will come to you from well-meaning individuals, even believers. And other times, they will come from your old nature. The important thing is this. Do not be surprised when you face opposition. Do not be surprised when you face these temptations. Do not be surprised when you face obstacles in life. The reason I'm telling you this is because I have never yet to meet anybody who has done great things for God without facing the uphill battle. I have never seen anybody who has done great things for God. I've never seen anyone who accomplished great things for God. I've never seen anyone who was obedient to the vision of God that God has for their life without running against the wind of discouragement, without swimming upstream without swimming against the current of mediocrity and without climbing the mountains of impossibilities. I've not seen it. And let me remind you again that God's vision for you is not your personal ambitions. That's different. That God's vision for your life, it is not your own needs and meeting of those needs. No, God's vision for you is not fulfilling a daydream or accomplishing some sort of wishful thinking. No, because there are a lot of people who have wishful thinking. A lot of people have daydreams that they never see them come to reality. Remind me of this woman who woke up one morning on her birthday, the morning of her birthday. And she said to her husband, she said, I had a dream last night that I have received a beautiful pearl necklace for my birthday. (laughs) What do you think it means? Her husband thought for a moment. He said, well, I guess you'll find out tonight. (laughs) Well, sure enough, the evening of her birthday, he gave her a birthday present. It was a book entitled Interpretation of Dreams. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like there's two middle-aged guys who were talking to each other. One said to the other, he said, now, are there any of your daydreams or, or your wishful thinking when you were young have come true? He said, yes, one, absolutely for sure. He said, when I was a boy and my mother used to comb my hair, I wished I didn't have any. <laughs> <laughs> God's vision for your life, listen to me, God's vision for your life is not just your wishful thinking. God's vision for your life is not just your daydreaming. God's vision for your life is not just your desires and your ambitions, uh, good as they may be. I'm not at all criticizing or condemning that, (laughs) but I'm just saying God's vision is different from that. And I want to illustrate today from the life of the Apostle Paul, so you understand what I'm trying to communicate. When the Apostle Paul had an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, the Lord said to him, you go to Damascus and there you're going to see Ananias. The same time the Holy Spirit spoke to a man by the name of Ananias, a believer, a prophet of God who was in Damascus. And God said to Ananias, Ananias, Paul is going to come to you and I want you to tell him this vision that I have for his life. Well, Ananias' knees began to knock. He was terrified. After all, Saul of Tarsus that became Paul later on had a terrible reputation of terrorizing the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, he was on a terrorist mission to terrorize the Christians in Damascus. And Ananias began to tremble. But God said to him, no, 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 no. I have a vision for this man. And there in chapter 9 in the book of Acts... Verse 15, the Lord said to Ananias, Ananias, go and tell him that he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles. Oh, but listen, I want you to underline the next word because that is the key. And to kings. That's the core of the vision for Paul's life. Sometimes God uses others. God uses them to communicate a vision for our lives. But most often, God places a need before you and says, you meet this need. And that's the beginning of discovering of God's vision for your life. And by presenting that need of his kingdom, a need for his ministry, a need for his work, a need for whatever he places before you, he says to you, now you meet that need. I have empowered you to meet that need. I need you to meet that need. And before the apostle Paul was even born in Tarsus, as a Pharisee, God had a vision for his life. Before the foundation of the earth... God had a vision for you and for your life, individually. He had a vision to redeem you. He had a vision to save you. He had a vision to adopt you as his child. He had a vision to use you in a mighty way. Today, I want to plead with you. Whether you are young or old, please listen to me. I want to plead with you. Don't fall in the trap of thinking, well, that was for the Apostle Paul. God communicated a vision for him, but God has no vision for me. After all, who am I? I want to tell you who you are. You are a child of the King. You are for whom the Lord Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven, died on a cross, and rose again. 
You are redeemed by His precious blood. You are chosen by God before the foundation of the earth. You have been loved by an everlasting love. You have been engraved on the palms of His hands. You have been carried on His shoulders. He who touches you touches the apple of His eye. You are having the everlasting arms underneath surround you all the time. You are the object of His concern. You are the subject of His discussion with His Father. And He is preparing a place for you right now. That's who you are. That's who you are. So, God's vision for Paul, according to Acts chapter 9, was to testify to kings and rulers and powerful people. He's going to testify to Jesus Christ before these people. Do you know the full fulfillment of that vision did not come to fruition until you get to Acts chapter 26? It was communicated in Acts chapter 9. It did not come to full fruition until Acts 26. (laughs) So you must surely know. I have a guess of how many years, but just think with me. There were a whole lot of years between Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 26. There were a whole lot of obstacles and discouragements and problems and sufferings between Acts chapter 9 and Acts 26. There were a whole lot of endurance between Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 26. Endurance of starvation, endurance of stoning, endurance of hardships, endurance of imprisonment, endurance of insults, endurance of mockings, endurance of all kinds of roadblocks. But through it all, through it all, Paul kept on testifying. No matter where he is, he's speaking to the philosophers in in Ephesus, or he's speaking to pagans on Mars Hill, wherever he may go, whether he's speaking to the poorest of the poor or the richest of the rich, it doesn't matter where he is. He says, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me testify to Jesus. And he constantly testified between Acts 9 and 26. He must have preached, I don't know how many sermons. Uh, He must have testified how many times. It's impossible to tell because we have a summary here. You know why? Do you know why? Because the light of the vision of God for his life kept on burning bright in Paul's heart and mind. The power of that vision kept him moving forward regardless of the hindrances, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the difficulties, regardless of the false brothers, regardless of the false preachers. He kept on going. Until finally, you get to Acts 26. (laughs) And Paul gets to see the absolute fulfillment of those words that were uttered by Ananias to him in Acts chapter 9. I want you to hear me right, please, because it's important. You see, God begins to communicate a vision to each one of us in steps. In stages. First you see the need and then you meet that need. And God says, now the next stage. Then you see a bigger need. You meet that need. You see a bigger need. And then God takes you on further and further and further and further. As you walk with him to a bigger need and great opportunity for you. 
And as you take these steps, whether they are baby steps, whether they're giant steps, it doesn't make any difference. He's taking you further and further and further and deeper and deeper in your walk with Him, in your love for Him, in your ministry to Him and for Him. Why do you think Jesus made an issue of it again and again in the Gospels that He who is faithful with little is going to be faithful with much? Why did he make an issue of it, of the fact that if you're not faithful with the material things of this world, how can you be faithful with the great things of reigning and ruling with him in the universe? That's the heart of Jesus. Between the time John Wesley received a vision from God for his life and realized what what he's to do, and the time that vision began to be fulfilled, it took a long time. A lot of suffering, a lot of pain, a lot of grief. Amazing, amazing man. Most of us would have quit the first day. But one of the great things is that he kept a daily journal. And as he experienced all this pain through the years, he recorded some of it. Let me read to you just a little bit of his daily journal. As he recorded, this is the part that was between, toward the end of all the pain that he's been going through and the beginning of God blessing his ministry. Sunday a.m., May 5, preach at St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday p.m., May 5, preach at St. John's. The deacon said to me, get out and stay out. (laughs) How do you like them apples, huh? You go preach your heart out and somebody says, get out don't come back. Sunday a.m., May 12. Preach at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday a.m., May 19. Preach at St. Somebody Else's. <laughs> Deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m., May 19. Preached on the street. Kicked off the streets. Sunday a.m., May 26, preach in the meadow, chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. (laughs) Sunday a.m., June 2, preached out on the edge of town, kicked out of the highways. Sunday p.m., June 2nd, afternoon, preached in the pasture, 10,000 people came out to hear me. And listen, and here we are, we want to be great Christians, we want to testify, we want to serve, we want to do all this, but only if the price is right, if the environment is conducive, if everybody accepts us, if nobody rejects us. We are given supernatural power so that we may overcome no matter what comes our way. Well, Paul kept on preaching, he kept on testifying. He kept on being obedient to God's vision for his life. Sometimes baby steps, sometimes with giant steps. Sometimes he spoke to a small group of people, sometimes 25,000 people as it was in Ephesus. Until you get to Acts 26. And Paul gets the opportunity to testify to the power of Jesus Christ of saving him and sanctifying him to the great King Agrippa. Wow! (laughs) 
what was risen, Christ said to him through Ananias back yonder in Acts chapter 9. He said, you shall testify to me before kings. Please listen to me. Having God's vision for your life will always keep you moving forward. And that is why only those who either refuse to obey God's vision for their life or they have lost God's vision for their life. They're the only ones who always feel hopeless and helpless. They will always get discouraged immediately. They will always give up as soon as it gets rough. Young men and women, older one as well, listen to me. I want to tell you, nothing will make you survive in your environment, in your school, in your college, in whatever you are. Nothing will make you thrive and live in power and in victory in the midst of all the difficulties that you have, are facing and will face, like having God's vision for your life. Nothing. Having God's vision for his life empowered the Apostle Paul It empowered him to overcome human tendencies, which we all have. Empowered him to overcome natural inadequacies that we all feel. It empowered him to overcome the surmounting problems and obstacles that dogged him. Well, let me go through those three very quickly. Imagine one of the greatest temptations is when we face problems and obstacles is to doubt God's vision for our life. Oh, listen, I've been there. Ah, did I pray right? Did God really say? I mean, you really go through self-doubt. And I can imagine poor Paul, every time he found himself in a prison cell, imagine he's a prisoner behind bars. And the devil would come to him and say, Paul. Ever heard the devil? (laughs) Paul. He has this pious voice. (laughs) Paul. You're a dreamer. You're a fantasizer, Paul. How are you going to speak to kings when you are a prisoner behind bars, Paul? Oh, but Paul would say, God gave me his vision. It's not my vision. God placed his vision on my heart. God will fulfill his vision in my life. I'll talk about inadequacies. Paul tells us about himself. That he had eye problem. And obviously it was an embarrassing thing. Whether he was screwing his eyes or he couldn't see. Or that some stuff was coming out of his eyes. We don't know exactly. But he tells us that. He tells us that he's not a very impressive looking guy. He tells us that he's short in stature. He tells us that he is not eloquent as a speaker. And and I want you to imagine every time he thinks of all these problems, all of these inadequacies, and Satan again would come to him and say, Paul, how can you be thinking about testifying to kings and rulers when you have all these problems? Oh, but Paul would say, listen, devil, my God is able. My God is faithful. My God is powerful. 
My God can do the impossible. My God can use the unlikely. My God can equip the weak. My God can pour his strength in the faint-hearted. My God will fulfill his vision in my life. Or thirdly, I can imagine that even when he finally gets a chance to address the great King Agrippa, I mean, all these years, believing God laid that vision in his heart, and now his chance had come. And now, I can imagine, as the time had come, after all these years of difficulties, after all these years of obstacles, after all these years of perseverance and suffering, he gets the invitation to address the king in the king's palace. Wow. Wow. He was actually the guest of the king. He was a prisoner. But the king said, I want to hear him. Bring him over here. And all of a sudden, Paul comes into the palace. And I can only imagine he begins to lose his nerve. He's so close to the fulfillment of God's vision in his life. And he probably felt overwhelmed with all the pop and the circumstance. He probably felt intimidated by all the display of wealth and opulence in the king's palace. And he probably got tempted. Maybe if I flatter the king, maybe if I just speak nicely to him, he may set me free. He may let me go. After all, this was an impressive platform. Think about it. You got Governor Festus sitting there, the great King Agrippa in his shining robe, and the queen and the generals. It's a very impressive platform. And he probably was tempted to try to ingratiate himself with the high and mighty. Ah, but he knew that God brought him to the kingdom for such a time. God kept that vision burning all these years, using him step by step by step by step so he can boldly testify to the power of Christ to save even a rascal like King Agrippa. And so he said to the king, So, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to God's vision from heaven. Wow, Paul, wow. All these years, believing that God will fulfill his vision for his life. And he said, King, I was terrorizing the church. King, I hated them more than anybody else and anything else. Oh, but King, I confronted the risen Christ. And he changed me, and he saved me. And therefore, King, he can save you too. (laughs) Now, beloved, let me ask you this. What is discouraging you right now from being obedient to God's vision in your life? What is tripping you right now? What is derailing you? Whether you were taking baby steps or giant steps, some of you got derailed. Some of you got tripped. Some of you got on the sidelines. What brought you to stand still and no longer obedient to God's vision 
in your life. God wants to renew that vision that once burned bright in your life. And if you've never had God's vision, you can pray, God, give me your vision for my life. If you're responding to this need, you're not responding to that need that God keeps placing before you. Said, God, give me the strength so I can begin to take. With the baby steps or giant steps makes no difference. God wants you to start somewhere. Father, it is impossible to comprehend the level of your faithfulness to us. It is impossible for me to comprehend the magnitude of your patience and perseverance and the love and the depth of the love that you have for us. And Lord, you keep calling us again and again to let that vision burn bright, that we would be obedient to that vision and not be disobedient to that vision. Father, I pray that as each individual is obedient to the vision that you have laid on their hearts, that we together collectively as a church, as we come and celebrate, that we be obedient to the vision that you have placed on this place. And Father, I pray if there's a single person here who does not know you, as the Savior and the Lord of their life, Lord Jesus, today will be the day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.